Story time. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Hashtag Millennials. We're doing the Corona episodes. So we're talking about the impacts of uh, the coronavirus on various different aspects of working life. This is usually the podcast where we talk about millennials in the workplace. And today we're joined by myself, Christian, and Harvey. Harvey, how are you going? Hello. Welcome back, everyone. Harvey, you sound, so you sound more impressive now because you've got a different microphone. <laughs> I do. I do. I, uh, I had to step up my um, sound quality game, so hopefully it's improved immensely. Still not as good as me, but, you know, you're getting there. You're getting there. <laughs> I, can't, I can't beat you, Christian. No way. <laughs> Um, Harvey, today we're also joined by Dr. Elsie, uh, who is an impact edutainer and course coordinator and work integrated learning coordinator at RMIT University, which is a very long title. And we've had a lot of discussions about uh, titles, but that's a very impressive title. Elsie, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Elsie, uh, you have an extensive experience in uh well, university life and, and supply chain as well and various different things. So we're very excited to have you on the show. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Well, absolutely. Welcome, welcome to the show, Elsie. Today's topic, we want to continue talking about supply chain. We don't have the news segment. We're not necessarily a news organization here, but we do have two things that are pertinent that we want to talk about, which reference our talking points today. And that is Australian businesses have been asked to manufacture face masks and things that the medical industry need to fight coronavirus. And second, there's also been a trade ban put in, pl- put in place for goods which uh, can help our medical efforts in Australia. They've been banned from export. So there's very interesting developments. We don't want to cover any more news than that. We'll stick to just those two things. And that's the first question. Elsie, Harvey, how do, you, how do you think this is going to impact Australians over the next six months? Because it's a minimum six months that we're going into these n- new phase of lockdown. You know, How do you think uh, supply chains are going to be impacted by this? given we can't export certain things and we're being asked to manufacture, you know, necessary goods, which is a good thing. I think it's, first of all, I, it's, I say this in, in my, in my circles. Um, it's, I have been asked that question, how has COVID-19 impact supply chains? And my response has been that there's a sharp learning curve for every industry um the local businesses are not uh, exempted they're not excluded the fact that local manufacturers now have to or rather been strongly encouraged to manufacture equipment that can support the health professionals i think that and i think that's really great that this is happening the the challenges i suppose they'll be facing would be finding suppliers for the raw materials in order to manufacture this equipment, because if you have been manufacturing a car, manufacturing cars or, you know, printers and things like that, and suddenly they say, nope, can you manufacture um, N95 mask or a ventilator? The Dyson is, is, is now looking mm-hmm. at manufacturing ventilators and things like that. They need time to retweak their machines. Uh, they need to find the suppliers first. The first thing you need to do is find the suppliers for raw materials. And um, if there are suppliers on the local ground, that's great. I mean, supporting local, it, it's a great direction to go. It, it's always about, you know, Donald Trump says America fuss. Over here, we say Australia fuss. So it's great that, um, you know, 
uh, these suppliers have new businesses and things like that. Um, about so it's great that they're manufacturing equipment for our health professionals. Um, about the importation or about the exports of uh, banned products, perhaps officially they say that uh, yeah it's banned, but um, there are rumors. You know, you talk to friends and and relatives and things like that. The the rumors that uh, people from another birth country. I, I don't want to be specific for people from another birth country that is residing here. They're buying up the mask and sending it back home. Hmm. And uh, oh, wow. that there's no stop. I mean, despite everything that is going on, these people are still going out in force and they are buying up boxes and boxes to send back home. So hmm. how are they, how are they, they as in the government or the authorities, how are they going to enforce this? I don't know. Are they going to open up every single box, you know, that's going out? Yeah, because a... they can always say, you know, it's a present. And if it's a present, they, they can't open every box. They can only, yeah, that's right. may, maybe they can randomly open one or two boxes, but they can't open every box. So these masks are going away. They're, they're leaving this country. It's a good point because it's like the, um, you know, people gathering in a house. You're not meant to be having house parties or, or drink ups and anything like that. You know, the police need to enforce that somehow or they're trying to enforce it somehow. But it's a very sort of awkward thing. You know, what, you know, you have to go into someone's house and, and tell them, you know, you're not meant to be having this get together. It's a very strange situation. I mean, Australians, we've never had to live through something like that because it's, you know, that's like a wartime sort of thing that you would you would expect to see in it's uh it's it is a very interesting premise where we're going from a very international very very you know big emphasis on international trade and, and sourcing goods from other places to going super local and manufacturing inside one country and even inside one state to supply harvey what do you think about this manufacturing bans and uh trade bans oh, manufacturing in incentivized manufacturing and trade bans i think it's uh it's good that a lot of businesses are repurposing their facilities and resources uh, to manufacture things of essential needs for uh, Australian people. Or, or uh, I saw an article where Under Armour and Nike and Adidas are now repurposing their facilities and they're making face shields and, and face masks and everything else. So that's really cool. Um, but I don't think we'll see the true benefits anytime soon. Uh, as Elsie was mentioning, that you know it takes time and resources to to rejig uh, manufacturing plants and facilities to repurpose their sites. So I don't think we'll see the true benefits in the coming months. I think it will be kind of the next six to twelve months that we'll start to see the benefits. Um, there's other organisations there where they're quite adaptive and they've they've been able to produce it. Uh, like alcohol companies making uh, sanitary products. So that's that's good itself. In terms of trade bans, yeah, it's, it's a big topic because we're starting to see a lot of foreign countries now put an emphasis on um, food security and food protectionism. Um, they're not, they're putting... Um, bans on exports or restrictions. So now that they're thinking about their, their own people. So yeah, it's, it's interesting times. And 
to go back to LC where people are sending, um, you know, needed needed essentials and needed things for our own for our own people and exporting it back to to other countries. Uh, yeah, like how, how do you stop that? How do you how do you regulate that? That's a, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, one other thing is they're sending back masks, um, which is which is all right. I mean, in terms of the product characteristics, but when they start to send hand sanitizers, uh, hand sanitizers back in bulk, it becomes a flight risk because one hand, 100 mil of hand sanitizer, one is okay, two is okay. But when you've got big, big boxes, hand sanitizers contains alcohol and it becomes a flight risk and they don't know about it. Like, for example, I went to visit one warehouse uh, before this whole thing, this whole pandemic uh, occurred. And it was nail polish. And it was stored in the hazardous zone. And I asked that question. I said, hey, nail polish, hazardous zone? He says, oh, yeah, nail polish is, is okay. One bottle, two bottles. Yeah, but when you've got 10,000 bottles, 20,000 mm. bottles, it's highly flammable. Oh. And so it has to be stored in a hazardous zone. This is like a battery. So how many people know that? How many lay person know that? So is so, it the proper handling of things? Storage. When you have all these nail polish together, when you have all these hand sanitizers together, if there is a a, a breakage, a spark or whatsoever, it, it goes up. And so it's a flight risk. If if someone here decides to send home uh, 1,000 bottles of hand sanitizers, it's a flight risk. And do they declare it? No, because it's considered a banned product. You're not supposed to export it. So again, I go back to that thing. Ah, oh, the box said to contain presents. How are you going to enforce it? Is and this, it goes Sorry, I'll say, is this people, is this individuals or is these businesses exporting it? Because I thought there was a, a limit no, to no, how no, much you could purchase. No, individuals. Oh, okay. Individuals. So yours, so yes, we know that there are limitations. So you can only have two bottles, right? But if you've got a group of people, 20 people, two bottles, do the math. Okay, sure. So yeah, so they're working in groups. I thought, yeah, okay. So it makes sense how they're spent they're, they're getting these boxes out. Just do the math. There's a lot of uh, uh, internationals residing here. Pe people not from this birth country, they're there, or maybe the second generation, they're here. They will do anything to help their home people. Mm. And without knowing the risk involved. And I don't remember reading an article in the newspaper, in the national newspaper, or any industrial newsletters that talk about such things. It's interesting because um, Harvey, you've you've got a background in uh, medical warehousing. Does any of this apply there as well? Or you, did you have to deal with similar? Um, well, medical supply chains are extremely well managed and controlled because of the pro nature of the product. But you, is any of this sounding similar to what you had to deal with there? Um, so we didn't sell to uh, a consumer straight to consumers. We we sold mostly to to retails. Um, and, and pharmaceutical um, pharmacists. 
So we used to sell, we used to send it in bulk, but yeah, there was nothing to do. There's no, there's nothing to say that we would be sending nail polish or or deodorants. Um, there was no kind of restrictions in terms of that in, in transporting it to them, no. And we didn't put any limitations uh, on that. So um, if they if they needed twenty, we we sent them twenty. Those we don't really investigate um, where where it's going, who's the customer, and and what what their purpose for for that product was. And it's also a commercial scale. So you've got proper transportation, proper storage. The whole chain is um, secure in that in that setting. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Because I, I worked a couple of years ago uh, during uni, I worked in a, it was a company that supplied safety and medical equipment. And this was, you know, you'd supply everything from a washer that was worth five cents to a, you know, gigantic hospital grade machine that was worth half a million dollars. You know, the, it was a huge range of things that you had to handle on a daily basis. But um, the only things we couldn't transport there were, well, you had to fill out very specific paperwork for gas cylinders. So if anything for oxygen uh, masks and gas cylinders, you had to fill out special paperwork. And batteries, you weren't allowed to send batteries because you put batteries on a plane, the risk is just astronomical. And you, you see the, you can uh, Google the pictures of what happens when you put batteries on a plane. It's just a disaster. It's unbelievably dangerous. So we couldn't do that. And there was a couple other bits and pieces that were secure. But it's, it's an interesting topic because... Yeah, what we're saying here is, you know, people are buying the two per person hand sanitizer allocation, but then grouping that and sending it, and it's unknown what is being sent. So it's basically a hidden uh, fire hazard waiting to happen. It's quite, uh, I mean, not to be alarmist, but it's a very concerning thing. Yep. Uh, when I when I heard about it, of course, I got really upset because there's already a shortage. Uh, two weeks ago, I before the university shut down, or maybe was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago, all this working from home is making me lose, lose, lose track of time. Uh, probably three weeks ago, before the university shut down, um, Don't I worry. had a- All a my days are blending together as well. <laughs> I had a colleague that had a all day back-to-back -back meeting. And I said to her, I said, oh, have you got facial masks to wear? Have you got a mask to wear? Because, you know, it's close quarters and stuff like that. She says, oh, I do, but I forgot to bring mine, you know? And I thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'll run out and go to the nearest pharmacy to, to get one. Guess what? I paid $13 for one mask. What? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy money. $13 for one mask. I, I did buy it. I did buy it because I, I valued the health of my colleague more than the money. So I bought it and I gave it to her and I said, use wisely <laughs> you know i said please do use it because you're gonna be in meetings you know close close environment you know the meeting room that can sit 10 but 15 people are squashed in there and it's a one hour one and a half hour meeting and it's been back to back and i said just just wear the mask don't worry about people looking at you in a strange way whatsoever just protect yourself and so i gave it to her but it's 13 dollars for one incredible and it's you know that's a common sense thing to do right you know you may look silly but at the moment but it's completely justified you know you, you do have to look out for your own uh health health and the you know by doing that you're also looking out for the people around you can i just add on to what harvey was saying with regards to um incentivize manufacturing hmm. i think one of the good thing or silver lining if you want to call it but it's one of the good thing about having that is if 
the comp if the manufacturers are not going to produce what they normally produce, there will be job losses. But the fact that now they're producing something else, there will not be job losses. So that's a great thing because right now there are the job situation is really, really, I think it's it's quite depressive for those who have been impacted. You know, you you listen to the news and they interview people, uh, people working with the government, um, and then suddenly that unit is closed. You know, they, they've been working in, in that area for 10, 15 years, and because the unit has closed, they're now queuing up at Centrelink. I think it's really, really sad. It is. It's very, very depressing in a way because you're seeing how many people a day go on to looking for Centrelink unemployment benefits and, and things like that and mm. what the government's having to try and do to you know, carry people through this and then eventually you know, have some money to start spending because our economy is based on spending and, and choices and consequences. Harvey, what are, what, are you, uh, what are you thinking, Matt? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it, was, it was already a tough... Like, um, so the economy was already in a tough position. The, you saw the retail sector really, um, really get... Like, in the start of the year, the retail uh, industry is already hurting. You saw Harris Scarf and EB Games closing already. So Australia was already in a tough uh, situation already. So now it's just, you know, more people are just getting affected more you know small businesses uh getting affected so it's just a huge domino effect and yeah it is it is very tough times at the moment like there is a few industries who we've seen a surge in and that's you know online streaming anything online we've started to see an increase home deliveries uh pharmaceutical healthcare so uh, are you guys using um home deliveries are you getting food delivered i'm very curious about this I normally eat, I mean, if, 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 if my husband is not cooking, he's the chef of the house. If my husband is not cooking, uh, we won't hesitate to just walk into a restaurant and eat. But uh, ever since we had this lockdown, um, uh, this restriction in movement, uh, yes, I have, we have started to, when he doesn't want to cook and he doesn't want to want me to cook. <laughs> Uh, we would we would call Uber Eats, yeah. And yeah. I've start I've I've uh, I've actually um, uh, uh, hung tied up three hooks at my metal gate. Normally my metal gate doesn't have anything, but I've actually put three hooks on my metal gate so that when we order food, the the uh, the delivery people will just hang the food on the on the hooks. Ah, and. Yeah. Uh, um, some people see it. Some some people still ring our doorbell, and then leave the food on the floor, and we're like, "Dude, look at the hooks! <laughs> put it there." You need to put <laughs> a sign. You need to put a sign. Leave food I here. I, I think I need to put the sign that says, "Please yeah. hang food here." But but we we're not eating out that much. We we're still we're still cooking quite a bit at home. In fact, in fact, we we reduced uh, not cooking. We started cooking. Um, even myself, um, you know, started baking. Ba what? What are you yeah. baking? Well, not a lot, but we, we, I just looked at some recipes and I learned how to make these Chinese buns called mantou. Um, you steam the buns and instead of having rice or noodles or pasta, 
you have a dish, you, you stir fry a dish, meat, vegetable dish, and you eat it with a manto instead of rice or noodles or pasta. I wonder if mm, that sounds delicious. It is delicious. It's not easy. I if I can do it, a five-year-old can do it. <laughs> well, well, baking seems to be having a bit of a resurgence. I've got a mate who's, you know, he's been um, self-employed for a couple of months now, and he's the, picked up baking. There's, it's uh, <laughs> we're seeing a resurgence in baking. All of a sudden, you're going to. I think we're have... seeing a resurgence in new skills. Everyone's like trying to like people like I got a lot of friends as well picking up a new skill or, you know, trying to pick up a new skill or but I, a learning I, one it's, it's really cool but it's too i'm too i'm too like depressed to pick up a new skill that's the like number one you know every tv show host is like oh you can take this time in isolation to learn how to do blah 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 and i'm like this is pointless advice all right i'm not motivated to do this right now give me something actionable you are christine you are <laughs> you've got your lego olympics and now you have this thing about push-ups you know everybody do put 10 push-ups per day record yourself doing trying to do 10 push-ups you know it's it's you might say you're not doing it but you are you it, know your instagram posts posts are evidence it's anyway it's coming back to this topic no i like the instagram topic i was gonna ask because harvey said he's gonna harvey promised me a new challenge with which i could keep myself I could stave off boredom yeah. with his new challenge, but Harvey, I'm still waiting, and he promised it yesterday. I, I was, I was going to do it, but I just realized um, I need a second person to film me doing it, but nah, I just man. realized it's isolation. we've got social distancing, a tripod. And, and no one can do it for me, so I'm like, okay, how, how am I going to record myself doing this? Just put on a chair take or a bottle and, and Take a bottle and lean your phone onto the bottle. Exactly. If you don't have a tripod, that's okay. Just take a bottle that's wide enough, it's sturdy enough. Of course, it has to be a filled bottle, not an empty bottle. And then rest your phone against the bottle. There, there you, go. you have it. Problem solved. Okay. What, was, what was the challenge I... meant to be, Harvey? No, no, I'll, 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 I'll record myself and I'll, I'll be sure to post you guys with on it. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. I want to, I need other people to tell me things I, to do because I'm, I'm running out of uh, ideas. Well, that's not true. But I'm I'm way way too quickly narrowing in on just being a Hamish uh, impersonator, because he's got the Lego <laughs> TV show on channel ten or nine or whatever. He's got he's got he's got the radio show, and I'm doing Lego on Instagram and a podcast. So basically, I've I've had this all too much time to do introspection, and I've realized I'm basically mimicking him, and I don't want to do that anymore. I need I need something original. But since I can't come up with that because I'm too depressed because I'm inside and by myself, I need other people to help me, all right? <laughs> this is where I'm at. <laughs> uh, we're off topic, though. Oh, we'll get back on topic. <laughs> Who remembers what the topic was? Harvey, <laughs> you're, the, you're, the, you're the other half of hashtag. <laughs> yeah, so, so am I using home deliveries? Not really, actually. Um, during this time, I actually, I actually moved back to my parents' place like a year and a half ago. So I'm, I'm with my parents at the moment. So I'm very fortunate for my mum to be still cooking me meals. So I'm kind of going back, reliving my teenage years um, with my parents, which is I'm not complaining. So we haven't been really oh, using home deliveries. You're making me miss my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's actually nice. It's it's actually comforting. At least that way, I have that assurance that, um, you know, I'm there for them as well. So um, anything that they need or any errands that they need to do, um, I'm the I'm the one to do it. So, 
Yeah, but uh, yeah, not, not really. We haven't been using home deliveries. Um, and it's actually funny. We actually haven't been, I haven't actually been consuming much fast food either. Like last time we had fast food, geez, it was, I can't even recall. So I've been eating a lot of um, home cooked meals and um, a lot of canned tuna and like those type of, you know, instant foods that you can easily, easily eat. But yeah, how about yourself, Christian? Have you been uh, using Deliveroo or? No, not at all. I'm actually in the same boat. My bank account is looking, well, it's not growing, but um, it's not declining as rapidly as it would be if, was, if I was spending more time in the city like I usually do. Um, no, I, I haven't eaten a takeout in ages. I don't know why, just not, not motivated to do it. I suppose I'm not in as much of a rush for certain things. So no, um, much less takeout food and but don't get me wrong, I have eaten more chocolate in the last three weeks than I thought was humanly possible. That was quite frightening. Ah, so, you've, so you've supplemented fast food for chocolate. Yes, that's right. It's usually both. So maybe I, I consider that a balanced diet because... <laughs> winning. You're winning right now. <laughs> um, I'm hooked on pistachios. Pistachios? Oh, that, yep. that's healthy. You know, that's, that's, that's yeah, good pistachios is good, yeah. Yeah. So ever since we had this lockdown, for some strange reason, uh, maybe because it was a it was a article I read, um, you know, what is the natural remedy to have proper sleep? Because you know I've been having really poor quality sleep. My brain has a mind of its own. You know, it just goes off. So uh, Harvey if, knows if, a thing or two about that. I I, I don't want <laughs> I don't want to be too dependent on melatonin or valerian I, I i don't drink warm milk before going to bed because i don't know about others but if i have milk uh before i go to bed or if i have any dairy before i go to bed it gets all i get all flammy and i can't sleep so i i started reading what what other things i can do and they were saying if you have what an ounce or something like that to the effect maybe 30 pistachios before you go to bed you know, then it helps you to sleep because there's some something in the pistachios that, you know, eat enough of it, it releases, which is similar to melatonin or something uh, will help you to sleep. So, yeah, I have a suggestion to uh, help you sleep. It's 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 a little bit of a different uh, approach. The, you know, I find if I can't sleep, I start reading something and I get really bored. So Elsie, if you can't sleep, why don't you start reading the terms and conditions of like your uh, Spotify subscription or any subscription service. Just yeah, it's a good read. <laughs> Elsie, it's a really good read. <laughs> if you get past point three, you're, uh, you're doing well. You'll be well asleep by then. Yeah, and once you're done with that one, Elsie, I, I highly recommend the terms and conditions of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all the rights that you lost when the day you signed up to Facebook. Mm, uh, Paper-based, otherwise it's screen time. Uh, I, I do have, uh, I just want to turn it back to supply chain for a second. Or maybe, you know, just manufacturing. I'm very curious about this and to get both of your insights. Uh, we've got a demand for face masks. We've got a demand for uh, sterilizer. We still have a demand for food. You know, we still need to manufacture uh, various different items. But what we have seen in recent years in, in supply chain is uh, a huge push into automation, into really smart manufacturing processes, industry 4.0, that's that kind of thing. Uh, I'm just curious, we'll lighten it up after this, but just to go back to supply chain for a second, do we think that this is going to be a huge push into, or is this going to accelerate how much we adopt automation in our supply chains? And, you know, it's less contact uh, between people. It's, 
you know, it's more efficient movement of goods in certain situations. Obviously, you still have to maintain these machines. But do we think that uh, this change in demand and new requirement for how people are working, do we think that there's going to be long-term impacts on, our, on how we manufacture and move goods? I was just talking about this in my lecture uh, on Tuesday, uh, because uh, uh, for the listeners who are unfamiliar, I actually, one of the courses that I, I manage is uh, warehousing and distribution channels, whereby I um, share information, knowledge. I never call myself a teacher. I share information <laughs> about... Edutainer. <laughs> I'm an edutainer. <laughs> I share information. I sell information. I sell the industry um, about retail distribution, about distribution and warehousing. And so one of the things that I talked about on, on Tuesday was exactly this. Um, this whole thing about industry 4.0 and automation, collaborative robots and stuff like that. It's not an industry-wide adoption. One of the th one of the key factors that that is required is the turnover of goods. So this would be uh, embracing a, a, a automation would be uh, if we talk about industries like e-commerce or products that are highly demanded. Then yes, these these industries will definitely you know, sit down and go, wow, here's a justification. Let's not, not worry too much about ROI. Let, let's see how quickly we can do this. So goods that are highly demanded or has a high turnover, yes, these manufacturers or these uh, uh, DCs, distribution centers and facilities, they would definitely uh, very quickly try to adopt automation um, in order to ensure there's productivity, uh, to ensure that there's optimization, perhaps they use it to cope with the shortage of labor and things like that. Yes, there's definitely going to be an increase. But the industry as a whole, no. I think it's not going to be like every single company or every single industry is going to do it. Like, for example, a tire uh, a manufacturer, they're not, they're not going to run out and, and buy a bunch of robots to, to manufacture ties, no. So I think the key factor is definitely the turnover of the products. E-commerce, um, catch of the day, catch warehouse is, is, is already very, very automated. You know, I've been to the warehouse several times. Amazing place. They're very automated, but they're like Amazon. You know, I, I've watched several uh, video, uh, videos of Amazon and JD.com. Uh, the main common denominator of these, these organizations is that they're all e-commerce and so the definitely high turnover products. Uh, the, the factor, the key factor is order fulfillment lead time, the short, the shortest lead time possible. That that will that will uh, trigger that that, you know, yes, let's embrace automation because we want to uh, achieve the shortest possible order fulfillment lead time. Yeah, because it's expensive to invest into this this kind of technology. And for especially for a smaller business, it just doesn't the mass just doesn't add up. You know, you'd have to spend a, an enormous amount of money for a pretty marginal return, especially given your your main considering factor is how quickly you can deliver to the customer. It's a well. The other constraint. Sorry to cut you in, but the other constraint. I mean, this is a critical constraint. The other constraint that a lot of uh, warehouses have is that these warehouses are not built to embrace automatic machines, which means that there's going to be a lot of refurbishing, and refurbishing equals you know impact on productivity. 
So they have to make that decision. It's not just an investment of money, is it? It's an investment of time. You have to actually mm. sacrifice some productivity in order to increase a, a potential gain later, which is, you know, nothing is guaranteed. So it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting proposition. Harvey, what are you thinking? Mm. Yeah, I think, um, I think we talked about this a little bit before where we were talking about how there's export restrictions from other countries. Um, we're putting bans now. I think we'll probably see a rise in, in 3D printing where particular items that we, we normally used to import from other countries probably start start manufacturing in here. Um, everything will be connected, like uh, cloud computing will be really big in the industry. Circular economy will start being a, a really big, big, big thing in, in, in the industry. Um, and I think also predictive analytics uh, to just kind of help with the spike of um, the unprecedented demand that's that's happened with this corona coronavirus, um, so that will allow uh, organisations to to be more informed, and be able to kind of um, service the demand and and operate accordingly. I but I think I don't know if what I, I really um... want to see is. Oh, sorry, go on. Uh, but but I, what I really want to see is more collaboration between um, transport warehouse providers. Uh, businesses, retailers, consumers, but also, um, well, governments as well. Um, so we can have that more resilient supply chain where we can uh, service goods, uh, so we can service um, the, the demand. I don't know if I fully agree with the predictive analytics because I know I know for a fact that analytics are being used in certain businesses to to use as dashboards to go, okay, how are our core um, pillars of the business being impacted and, and let's visualize all this and put it in front of the, you know, the directors that are making decisions. But in terms of uh, using predictive um, analytics in this situation, I don't know if I agree with that because we're in, a, we're in a time where, you know, there's a desperate need for product A, whether it's a face mask or hand sanitizer or gowns or, water or, or ventilators, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a time for predicting how much of that's going to be and just I think at the moment people are just going, there's a desperate need for this. How much of it can we make and how quickly can we make it? Elsie, am I, am I talking nonsense or? No, not really. I mean, it's a challenging time. So I'm not surprised that companies are looking and predict at predictive uh, and analytics and things like that. However, um, I'm going to be very careful when I say this. There's a lot of talk about predictive analytics, uh, but it's it's how many companies out there are capable? You know, they mm. they have the capacity, they have the equipment, they have the knowledge, the know-how, the experience to collect almost perfect data. Yeah, that's a challenge. They, you know, rubbish in, rubbish out. So when we talk about predictive predictive analytics, it really depends on your supply chain ma- uh, uh, members. Are they just as competent as you? Or, or in your entire supply chain, are you the only organization who's able to do predictive analytics? We'll just call it PA for short. And how does that help you in your business? How does that help you? Or how does that help your supply chain? Now, I'm not saying... I'm not saying that, no, don't do it. But I'm just saying there, there will be limitations. 
It's a it's a very good point because it's it's uh, I think what needs to be highlighted here is and it's it's a very very good point Elsie is that as much as hardware is uh, a m- arguably more expensive actually it's not arguably it's definitely going to be a more expensive investment for your business uh, it's simpler when you compare it to software software is cheaper to access uh, as an improvement to your business and okay well, instead of buying hardware we're going to buy a way to manage our information and that and that management will give us the same uh, return and improvement to our organization but the problem is that managing your information is significantly more complicated because of yes having quality data and who are you depending on for that data and how is it coming in your your digital infrastructure the digital twin of your of your operations uh, they're far more complicated to organize than the physical uh, assets that you use to move stuff around it's a really important thing to underscore there because you know, you might be sitting at home uh, as a business owner right now and going okay or a, or a director in a company and going oh i can't justify you know a million dollars to buy robotics at the moment but i can buy this uh, data analytics package that i can bolt onto what i have now that'll cost me 200 grand again fuzzy numbers i've made them up um but to make that two hundred thousand dollar investment in your in your information system work properly, you actually need a lot of other dependent pieces to work properly along with it. I talked about this not not predictive analytics. I, I talked about this probably I don't know ten years ago or twenty years ago. Time flies twenty years ago because everybody was talking about oh supply chain integrated operations and things like that. Um, you, you, when you do a Google search or you get a lot of articles, uh, that are American or from the UK, mostly American. And they're just, they have all these glowing information about how fantastic it is about integration and stuff like that, which I agree. If you, if your supply chain contains members that have similar ICT competence, uh, they, they are in countries whereby they're, they're highly wired, their they're internet connections, their Wi-Fi, the technology is competent, then yes, you, you collaborate with people of the same level, you are going to have a very successful supply chain. But how many companies have got supply chains, have members in that supply chain that have the same level of technolo- technological competence? Not many. Mm. Um, you know, you... you Sorry, go uh, on. It's, I think it's easiest to put into a very practical example. It's like if, you, if your workplace at your office, your boardroom has one of those Cisco, you know, whiz-bang, cross-boardroom telecasting things that, you know, is absolutely cutting edge and it's got cameras all over the room and microphones everywhere and it's, it's completely whiz-bang and, and top of the notch. The fact of the matter is if you're going to connect to someone on the other end doesn't know how to use it or can't connect with it because they're using a Zoom session, you're going to use what's accessible and both of you are going to end up using the most easy to access um, tool that you can both switch on very easily and plug into because that's the level of you're basically as strong as your weakest uh, you know, ICT capability. That's right. It's an interesting topic. Harvey, do you have any, do you have any, uh, any thoughts to this? Any additional thoughts before we... Uh, move on to the to the next bit no i think i i don't know i still i still believe that there'll be you know a surge and a call for the development of predictive models because you got to remember that the we've never seen anything like this that that's ever happened before right so if if that if there was something or a tool out there that a lot of uh, organizations were using they they could have 
could have, how can I say this? They could have been more proactive in their scheduling and, and being dynamic in their planning uh, for the supply of demands and consider all the uncertainties and, and, and risks that was factored in in their operations as well. So yes, I don't think there will be organizations who, who actually need it, but I think you would, I think there would be a trend where a lot more organizations uh, will start to look into or start investing into because of how this pandemic spiraled into and uh, how much it affected the, the global economy. Like we've never had this, like we've never had something like this that's ever happened since World War II. So, you know, I think that's something that will would really benefit um, organizations in the long run. And it's not even to do with just uh, particular organizations where we're, we're learning from other organizations um, across the globe. We're learning from other people and other, um, other case studies and other, uh, other governments uh, around the world. So that, that could be factored in, in these um, predictive models. models. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I was, if I was a supply chain manager right now or an executive of a company, when it comes to the information I have access to, one of the things I, I want to be looking at is my my risk, my supplier risk. So if, if I've got supplies in, from in, in Wuhan or or uh, Vietnam, which just got recently closed, or America, where you know, depending where it is, I would right now be looking at uh, okay, here's my list of supplies, here's where they are, and how at, at risk am I of continuing supply of product from that uh, from that uh, node in my supply chain. So if you got that kind of software. Obviously, you'd be switching that on pretty quickly. But again, smaller supplies, uh, smaller businesses are not going to have access to that. They just don't have the infrastructure to do it. Is there anything else we need to cover off uh, here? Any anything else we want to say here before we wrap up the, uh, uh, the use of automation and analytics in uh, in supply chain right now? So one of the things that I wanted to talk about was um, yes, all those softwares and you know uh, automation and all those kind of cool technologies that's that's out there to improve the supply chain uh, industry that's all well and good but one of the things that we really need to focus on is also the people and, and leadership i think we need to start seeing some strong leaders to really kind of um lead um and that's like inspiring showing empathy protecting caring motivating and and how to you know how they truly react to these crisis shows their, their true 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 leadership so that really all depends on on the people as well so i think that's that's a really big focus i think that's a lot of things that people don't really consider because we talk about you know the the equipment the facilities the products themselves but it's it's really the the operators um, in the front line as well as the a strong leader leader uh, really really driving that yeah the person stacking the shelf and the and the team leader in 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 charge it's um how you motivate your people and how you keep them motivated in a in a very uncertain time that's the number one thing i'm hearing from people is they don't they don't have any confidence in what's going to happen next because nobody knows how long this is going to last how long restrictions are going to last you know how safe are my suppliers how safe is uh my family it's yeah there's a lot of uncertainty and, and being able to lead people through this is absolutely uh yeah 100 right you, you need people to step up and uh the, those that want to step up are really going to well, it's going to be a toll, but uh, I think this will shake out people that want to or, or, or are fit for, for being in charge of others and, and then, you know, sort of shuffle out those that are not necessarily as capable or not necessarily cut out for that. I, I do think there is a difference there. Yeah, I think I want to also add, um, I can't 
I can't agree more anymore with Harvey leadership, strong leadership is really, really uh, important during these times. This pandemic is, uh, is it's like a giant shit, a uh, sift. You know, you, you, you use a sift when you are baking, I go back to baking the flour to get rid of all the clumps and things like that, impurities and things like that. This pandemic is, is a giant sift, mm. uh, sifting out who are the true leaders and who are the leaders just by name or by position. Mm. Um, yeah. I urge all leaders, doesn't matter whether I urge everyone, uh, you know, to, 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 to stand up and shine um, because, you know, uh, there, there are people who, who are willing to follow. But however, we, even by saying that it, it is a challenge because there are leaders out there and uh, they are not making timely decisions and it's impacting the people below them they're trying to they have this pressure of you know making sure the, the show goes on on a daily basis but then um they're not given the right instructions or can i do this can i not do this and they appeal to their leaders by saying can we do this because it, it will be a good idea but then the leaders will go, oh, hang on a minute. I, I have to check with my boss and my boss have to check with my boss. And that that, that centralized decision-making is taking a lot of time. The world is moving, you know, the, the clock doesn't stop. But for the people below them, the show has to go on. And, and that's a bit of a, that that is added frustration and pressure. So leaders by position or by environment, you know, um, I, nobody's gonna like Javi said whatever's going on it's not something that we know this is definitely I was just texting my my family members and I basically said exactly what Harvey said this is a new version of world war that we're experiencing this is this is like world war three but in a new form um everything uh, um the we are coming into a new world whereby things aren't the same. We never experienced anything since 1945, since World War II. So everything is new. It's a, it's everybody's starting on a new page, even leaders, you know? And mm -hmm. so, and so I think we all need to be uh, kind. We need to be kind and, and, and let them know that, it's okay if it doesn't work out that we're going to do this together. Yes, you're the leader. Tell us, tell us roughly what you think we should do. We'll try it. If it works, yay. But if it doesn't, don't worry. We're, we're here for each other. I think that's a message that goes out to, to the leaders. And, and that it, it's okay. It's a, it's a very good point because we, you know, Harvey and I, we spend a lot of time on the show talking about the difference between uh, millennials and boomers. But what, what both have in common here is that um, leading people and, and going, this is the way we're going, this is the direction, you know, point northeast, southwest, whichever way we're going and let's move. That, that is a very daunting thing to, to do regardless of how old you are or what situation you find yourself in because the risk you have is, have I made the right decision? And that's, the, you know, there's countless books and articles and movies and everything about this conflict of, okay, I've told somebody this is the way we're going and you're leading people, you're responsible for how it turns out. I am, you know, am I making the right decision? And that can lead to a paralysis, paralysis where you go, 
I don't know which decision to make because it's not an easy thing. And and you're 100% right. This is sifting out. This entire experience is going to sift out people that are capable and have the you know have the the character to to make these kind of really tough decisions. And and some people are not necessarily uh, are comfortable doing that. Or and it's not about being comfortable. It's about being brave enough to make it and sticking by it. Because once you combine all of these things together, you know your your leadership. It is it is. As much as it's a it's a characteristic, it is also something that you train, and you can't train something that you don't have any trust in. So if people aren't trusting you to make your decisions, and you're constantly uh, being undermined, or you're not getting the support, you're not being told it's okay, we'll follow you, and we still trust you, even if this is not necessarily the right step right now. Uh, you need to trust your leaders that they will fumble, but you have to keep trusting that that the direction is is correct, and that they will continue to do what's what's best for the group uh, regardless of how you know uncertain the next step may be um so so we, we we've gone into the into the depths of it and i think it's been a, a great conversation but uh, as per usual I, I am very curious how you guys are going staving off boredom how you're dealing with the isolation um i've been inside for basically three weeks now so <laughs> i'm starting to I'm starting to crack. I'm not necessarily uh, as chipper as I was a little while ago. <laughs> Harvey, how how are you going? How are you uh, how are you handling it? Yeah, coping, coping. Um, the so trying to remain positive. Uh, we were, Christian and Elsie, we were, we were talking about this um, before the the recordings of the podcast, and yeah, just just trying to keep a, a positive. I'm, I'm struggling uh, at the at the moment. Just um, you know, having cabin fever and um, everything else, just de- dealing with um, with the situation. But um, I know that I I need to I need to find you know kind of that. Well, how, how can I say this? I need to find that inspiration again. Uh, I I'm, I'm naturally ambitious, and I always you know I am very proactive with with my time. Um, so. Yeah, so I'm just I'm looking looking back to it, so to to find that motivation again within me and ignite that fire within me. And um, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that I have it now, but I'm I'm just tackling every day how it comes. But I'm continuing to reading, I'm continuing to meditate, I'm continuing to exercise uh, daily. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's what I'll be doing. Exercise has been the the thing that's kept me slightly sane. I mean, as sane as possible. Um, given my normal mental not saneness, Elsie, <laughs> how are you handling? Uh, how are you handling the isolation and the the boredom or the busyness? You know, working at home, nobody's got set hours. So I remember we having we had a conversation where you're doing way more um, than usual because you know you don't have a nine to five. You have uh, I turn my laptop on and I'm at work, so I'm technically always at work. Uh, how are you How are you handling it, Elsie? I'll tell you what. I have been doing which I should not be doing uh, for the last three weeks. You're absolutely right. My laptop has been switched on um, many, many more hours than normally uh, before we move online. I've developed a new habit, which is a bad habit. And that is um, earlier on, I I did mention that I have problems sleeping and things like that. I would wake up maybe twice, three times uh, to visit the bathroom. And normally I go straight back to bed, but I have this new habit of checking my emails, which is stupid. Uh, So do not do that. 
um because i'm constantly thinking oh did somebody send an email after i don't know six o'clock or seven o'clock saying okay we're, we've decided to do something can you please do it within that nine hours or something like that so initially the first two weeks it was like that um, um you know on my third week i i know it's it's cracking me up and uh so i've stopped doing that so the good news is i've stopped checking my emails um but i do reach out for my phone as soon as i open my eyes at 6 30 or 7 o'clock and i start essentially start clearing emails at that time not necessarily on my study table but in bed i start clearing emails at that time yeah, and then everything. i stop and i only uh and I, I and i'm always refreshing i'm not not constantly doing it but i'm just saying you know I've spent a lot, I've increased my screen time, if I may summarize, I've increased my screen time, which is not a good thing. So listeners out there, do not do what Elsie has done for the last two weeks. This is the week that I, I, I'm forcing myself to back off because it, it's really, really showing signs and cracks. Um, I've got more aches and pains in my body um, um, and things like that. So... Javi, here's what I think we both should do and everybody else should do if we can. We wake up at the normal time. We don't look at emails. Uh, if, if, if before this whole thing happened, you go for a run at six o'clock, go for your run at six o'clock. If necessary, once you come back, have a shower, wear the clothes that you normally wear to go to the office. Don't be in your PJs. Don't be in your house coat. Don't be in the rabbit slippers. Don't be too comfortable. Wear those clothes. Sit in that place and do the thing. Have your morning tea at 10 o'clock. No matter how important that email is, have your morning tea at, at, at walk away from this, walk away from your laptop for that mm. 10, 15 minutes for that morning tea. And, and, and then go for lunch. If you're somebody that goes for a run at lunchtime, go for a run at lunchtime. I, I think we're still allowed to go outside for a walk, a run, a jog, as long as we're alone. Um, if you have a jogging buddy, have one other jogging buddy, but make sure that jogging buddy is one and a half meters away from you. So do that, come back, have a shower, do your work, have afternoon tea. Just. Just pretend you're in the office. I think that's what all of us need to do. Uh. Um, and as for myself, and as for myself, um, my husband is a mem is very passionate about dragon dance and lion dance. And over the past couple of months, he's been building his own dragon. Oh wow, that sounds awesome! And things like that. I know. I mean, it's really, really awesome. So, so this will be his third dragon head that he's making and he's painting, uh, immediately after dinner, I'm doing the washing and he will be painting. He goes to work, he comes back, cooks dinner. And after dinner time from say seven 30, eight o'clock, he's painting his dragon until 10, 10 30. You, you don't accidentally walk into that garage or wherever it's being painted and like freak yourself out. Do you? It's in the living room. <laughs> in the living room and, <laughs> that's his workshop the, in the living room he's got his workshop in the garage and he's slowly slowly inching his way into the living room you know i mean actually half of the dining area is all his dragon stuff Three, <laughs> half of the dining table has all the different 
glow in the dark paints because this particular dragon, this version, version three is going to be a glow in the dark dragon. <laughs> that sounds, it and sounds so, awesome, but terrifying. Well, it, it's all right. I mean, um, I and you, then, you can imagine it's your boss if you get really frustrated, but that might uh, damage the dragon's life. <laughs> no, no, no. So he's invested in glow in the dark paints. He's invested in this uh, neon like thing and he switches on and then so he's in so he he took over the garage he's invading the dining space and as of last night he's invading half of the living room space it's taking over um, <laughs> yeah yeah but you know what i've decided that i will help him so i've been helping him to paint different parts of the the, the, the dragon he does the head the dragon head and i'm helping him to paint certain parts of the tail of the dragon so it's been interesting. But it, 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 does he, does, is this dragon project the same as, the, is it assembled the same way I assemble Lego? Because if, I ha, if I'm assembling Lego with someone, they can't touch anything. It is my thing. And I'm going to put all the, they can arrange the pieces maybe, like they can put them in color groups and shape groups. But I will do the, I will do all of the assembly. I'm assembly? very stubborn about this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he has to, because I know nothing about making a dragon. <laughs> he, he, he buys these rattan, um, oh, here's the other thing. My bathtub, it's not my bathtub anymore. It's just filled <laughs> with water and he's soaking his rattan because you need to soak the rattan in water for a few days to soften it so they can bend it. So I can't use the bathtub. It's his. <laughs> We've got three bathrooms and the one downstairs, it's for, you know, everyday use. There's one bathroom that was what that 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 was mine. Now it's <laughs> it's we're sharing it because his own bathroom is has con converted into a softening rattan processing lab. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking over the whole house. Eventually, he's going to be in the uh, in like every room, every corner of the house is going to be something to do with this dragon, and then it'll all yeah, be yeah. the dragon's going to be sleeping in your bed. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, but but um, it's it's okay. It's it's my way of de-stressing as well, and my way of spending quality time with my husband. Um, both of us, some couple, most couples, they 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 have a, a very engaging conversation with their 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 spouse. Uh, I don't have that. My husband is a very quiet person because I'm the chatty one. Um, but um, so we do quality time by painting together. You know, oh, that's nice. that's awesome. painting. he he paints the head, I paint the tail, and every now and then he'll go, let's try it. You know, he'll switch off all the lights in the house. He'll switch on that neon light and he'll shine it against the dragon. And, you know, and he'll have a color bond moment. You know, the advertisement, the color bond moment, the guy steps out of his car and he's checking out his roof yeah. quietly. <laughs> lights be off. The entire house is dark, except this neon light shining on this dragon, multicolored dragon. And he's looking at spots that he's missed in his painting and listening to the neighbors scream as they see a giant glow-in-the-dark dragon in their no, neighbor's living room <laughs> he, he's doing it in the middle of the living room so nobody can see it <laughs> <laughs> well uh, i um i went through something similar sort of to sandwich everything that uh, both of you have said is i i have been working actually quite a lot in the last three weeks because I got very busy when all this went down because people want help with their content, which is, which is great. But I effectively, I, I worked out that I was basically working for like, it was like 15 days straight. I was doing something which required high cognitive load. So I, I reached a point of 
I basically had a mini burnout sort of thing. And, and my remedy to this has been, I, I got so bored um, when I had my recovery from the burnout is that I went on my phone for the first time in ages, I, I looked at games. And I don't normally look at games on my phone because I get bored of them really quickly. But I did find one called Block Udoku. So I can't do Sudoku because I suck at maths, right? But this one is you just have to arrange blocks in a certain way and get a certain amount of points and then you progress to the level. And I am telling you, I downloaded this game yesterday and I have spent like... 14, 15 hours in this thing non-stop. It is wow. it has wow. been completely <laughs> addictive. Because you can do like the daily challenge. So it's got a calendar and you get a trophy at the end of doing every one of the day's challenges. And in the first day that I had it, I cleared out all of March and then I've gone through February and I'm up to January now. I'm going backwards to make sure the whole year is complete. It's uh it's I would say it's fantastic, but it's very clearly become a, an addiction. So hopefully I get over that pretty quick. But it is entertaining me. It is, it is giving me something to look forward to. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had to cut out Instagram. Previously, my um, my device timer, you know, how much screen time, because my screen time is... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was pretty bad. It went from like, you know, two hours a day to four when this pandemic stuff started, checking the news or Instagram or something. But then it was all on Instagram constantly. I was on Instagram for like five hours a day. And now... Instagram is a speck in comparison to how much time I'm spending on this stupid game. <laughs> uh, it's funny you say that because um, I was reading a recent, I was, uh, I read a recent article and they said there was a, a surge in PlayStations and home gyms or like game consoles uh, for men. So yeah, it just shows that like what the priorities of men. We're just like okay, we're playing games. <laughs> we're, we're playing video games. This is what we're. This is what we're gonna. This is how we're going to get through it. But there's there's also good news things. Like I've, I've seen, I've read articles and seen on the news that all the uh, dog shelters, animal shelters in this, in uh, New York have been emptied once all this stuff started. People going into isolation and on their way on their way into isolation after buying uh, some uh, toilet paper and hand sanitizer, they're going and picking up a dog and adopting him. So that's that's nice. That's nice. But I just wanted to, like, makes me wonder what happens when the pandemic's finished. I, I have are the they going to keep him or are they... I have the same concern, and hopefully we're yeah. hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully, when we're, we're uh, our yeah. concerns are not just justified. Elsie Harvey, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we'll wrap the show there. Uh, thank you very much, Elsie and Harvey. Thank you for having me. This is uh, really really interesting. Hope to come back on other topics. You know me. <laughs> I, I I have a say in almost everything in in the world. <laughs> I'll say we want to we, we want you to come back while wearing the dragon's head. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, 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 there's one other thing I need to tell you about the dragon head. So, um, so these dragon heads are really big. Okay, the one that he's doing is really really big. But I think my husband uh, also went online and bought these. Um, he saw it on 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 YouTube how to make smaller uh, dragon heads. But it's like you buy a stack of. Um, Printouts, and then you cut them out, and then you fold it, and you stick it together, and then you paint it to your favorite color, and you put it over your head. And so um, I did one, uh, and it's really interesting. So I have my own dragon head to 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 decorate, but I'm not doing it at the moment because he's really busy with his uh, glow in the dark one. But I reckon when that's finished, um, 
will probably work on this smaller uh, dragon head that goes over your head. It, it's really, really cool. If you, uh, if, and it is really cheap. He paid, what, $30, $40 for three sets, three heads, three different heads. So I've, I've cut and assembled one. There's another two. I'm not doing it yet until we finish doing the first one. Well, if you get super bored, um, you, those two, you can, you can turn them into two dragons called Harvey and Christian. And then when we finally, eventually get to uh, all catch up in person and not via Zoom, um, we, we can have a, a dragon party. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, that sounds awesome. If this if this really really works out, I think that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. have a dragon party. I, I think okay. the uh, the parties after all this is settled are going to be very epic. Hopefully not too debaucherous, but very epic. Uh, that's our show for today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you we got you got something out of it. We we covered a lot of different topics from supply chain to dragons to uh, games on your phone. Uh, if you want to follow us and get the latest episodes straight to you, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on. Uh, you can also send us an email at millennialinquiry at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>